This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn hand off the middle, hit the backfield and drill. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three call, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Not Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Feels good to be back in studio with Matt McMaster, who is also back in studio. Been forever. It has. Welcome back. Kind of forgot I had my own radio show for a while. You're looking good there. Yeah. Ready big, for ready for day. TV. Big day. Yeah. I'm gonna. If you are going to be watching the Georgia Tech versus Nebraska women's basketball game tonight or today rather at two o'clock uh, on Big Ten Plus, I will be the announcer, play by play. Yeah. Actually, too, which is kind of a switch up. They typically have me on a uh, color commentary. commentary yeah. So. Doing a lot of prep. Probably stay here after this show. Do more prep and then head over there. Going to be a long. I mean, people always ask, like, "Hey, do you want to like do something after like you're announcing, or do you want to like go and you know get something to eat or whatever?" I always tell people, "I go to bed. I crash. <laughs> I get. I am exhausted after broadcasting a game. It's just a lot. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot of energy. There's a lot. Of, I get stressed out about it way too much. It's just. It's ridiculous. So yeah, yeah. game." Big nap, and then watch some of these massive, massive college football playoff games. I mean, it's it's today is a probably the most important day uh, in the college in 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 the in the season, and what may be, and poetically, what may be the most convoluted and congested college football playoff standing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it it is going to be interesting, and and I. I, I was a BCS, not necessarily BCS, but I was anti-playoff. I just wanted it to be two teams because sure. so very rarely do you run into a scenario where you have more than two power conference teams that are undefeated at the end of the regular season. Yeah. And here we have four. Yeah. And and so Crazy. You, you avoided the, the first step in the dominoes that would have had to fall for there to have been eight one loss power five teams. Yeah. That's not possible now because Washington's undefeated and Oregon's got two losses. What a game last night, by the way, on that. That was a great game. But but my point with not wanting there to have been a playoff, the regular season conference championship games are essentially a playoff in and of itself. Sure. Do you need twelve to see who truly is? I don't know. Maybe. But Oregon had their shot last night to win the national championship, if you want to talk about it that way. Sure. They lost to the same team twice. They don't deserve to go to the playoff, in my opinion. So that's why they're not. They would be in a twelve team, certainly, but that I, I that's why I was anti playoff all along. I I think maybe eight years ago or five, even five years ago, I totally agree with you because most most years during the BCS there was a clear number one, there was a clear number two. Oh four was the only one where you ran into yeah. a situation like that. Now with NIL. And there being more factors of just going, the best prospects going to teams that are just winning the most, there's more parity. There's more diversity in college football. There's more spread out talent. And it's, it's, I think my, my, what proves my point is Alabama. Because Alabama just dominating, right? 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, just on the, the top of the mountain of the college football consistently. And then NIL happens. And then you see guys leaving the transfer portal, them losing depth. Guy like Tommy Hill. Yeah. Was over in Alabama, went to Nebraska. Guy like Stephon Wynn Jr. was over in Alabama, went to Nebraska. There are so many more guys like that who were just on Alabama who in years past would just sit there and be like, okay, I'm going to wait my turn, develop into a great player, and then go and play for a year, win a national title, and then go to the go to to the NFL. Now that you have NIL, now that there's more factors could just winning, you have Depth being taken from these power five, these big power five programs going to other programs. You've got this this spread of talent, this parity, and this is exactly you know what it's created. You got Michigan undefeated, Florida State undefeated, Georgia undefeated, Washington undefeated. I'm telling you some right now. The committee are the biggest Georgia fans in the world at three o'clock today when they play Alabama because if yeah. Alabama wins, 
I don't and, know what's going to happen. The, if, don't if Alabama and Texas both win. Oh, because who's Alabama's do? lost to? Texas. Texas. And then what do you do? <laughs> because you and now I saw some people say, well, you know what? You just leave Alabama and Georgia out of out of the college football playoff. That's just people being bitter about the SEC. But that's, there is no world yeah. in where the SEC champion is not going in is not going to be in the college football playoff. But so, if, what, what's the scenario for that to happen? Michigan win, uh, Washington already won, Florida State win. I'm going to tell you and something then right Texas now. over both of them. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think Florida State they're on their third string quarterback. Well, maybe. Their, their backup may play. Game time decision. I think the committee's going to be like, look, you had a great year, but we, everyone knows. If so Florida, in that scenario, if Florida State wins or loses and the committee just says, sorry, you lost Jordan Travis. Yes. You go Michigan, Washington. Georgia. Georgia-Alabama winner. Yes. What if Alabama wins? In all honesty, if Alabama wins, I would put Georgia and Alabama both in. I Over would. Texas? Yeah. Okay. I would. Because... Texas we're talking the SEC up, but champ. we're talking about yeah. a week two victory. Alabama is a very different team. That doesn't today. matter. I th- I I think it does. I th- a proximity to your last loss. Sure, a million percent. A but million Texas percent. Texas's only loss was early in the season too. It was what week four or five when they lost to Oklahoma. Yes. So, uh, but an Oklahoma team. You know, well, look if we're just grading resumes, yeah. right? Alabama's loss is way better than. Texas is lost. Now, Oklahoma, no slouch. Still ranked. Sure. Still, still a good team. Yeah. But they lost to Oklahoma State, who Texas is playing tonight, and they also lost to Kansas. So you got you lost to a team that lost to two teams they shouldn't have. Bama lost to a team who, look at Bama, Bama's lost against the Big 12 champion. So yeah. I, I think if you're just looking at resumes, you'd put Bama in. There's no way that Georgia isn't in the college football playoff. I 100% agree with you that the, the committee is just dying to have Georgia win that game, so they dying. don't have to do they that. They don't have to worry about it. So <laughs> then they can just be like, they could honestly say, all right, Texas will go in over Florida State because of Jordan Travis. Yeah, They're also rooting for Louisville, because if Louisville just yeah. beats Florida State, problem solved. There's problem there. solved. Then yeah. you just put in your... Your your conference winners, right? They already got one of their favorites that that then you wanted to win to win Washington beat Oregon. So a million you don't have that, percent. You don't have that conversation. Yeah, they, they, and and the funny thing is, is that there still is a bit of a path for Ohio State to get into the playoff if the right teams if the right teams lose. If the right teams, you're asking lose. for Oklahoma State to beat Texas. Yes, uh, Oklahoma State to beat Texas. Louisville to beat Florida State. Louisville to beat Florida State. Alabama to lose. Yeah, you don't want Alabama right, to lose because then both of them are probably ahead of you. Yeah, yeah you're and right. Then, and then an Oregon loss, very, was very big. narrow, very narrow. But like, if not, you're not sitting, impossible. if you're sitting there and you're like, well, Alabama's not the fourth team, Texas isn't the fourth team, Florida State's not the fourth team. Oh, oh crap! Hey, like, stranger things have happened. Sure, ne- Nebraska made the BCS national championship game in 2001. When they when they probably shouldn't have. Well, they lost Colorado the week before, right? Like, yeah, the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah last yeah, yeah. week the regular season, and then Colorado had the loss earlier to Fresno State. Nebraska's computer rankings had them above both Oregon and Colorado. Hey, good for them. Yeah. Hey, um, we uh, we have a lot to get to today. Uh, we're going to hit on the last unbeaten Big Ten team in the country, your Nebraska Cornhuskers. They have a big matchup tomorrow. I'm not sure if you heard of them. It's Creighton. Oh, basketball. I thought we were yep. still on football. I was so confused. We're going to talk about that. Uh, also, Oscar Volleyball. Also announced They're in the NCAA game, the tournament. Oh, you're calling that tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I'm carrying you. Nice. I know, right? Very nice. Um, uh, volleyball swept Long Island last night. They're into the second round. Uh, we'll talk about their path, uh, what the bracket looks like, how that lays out, where they could potentially see uh, some of their uh, some of their, their big you know, the, the, the teams the that could potentially take them out, uh, where those would lie. Uh, but I want to stay with football. Um, I, I got a fantasy football watch party with my friends tomorrow. Oh, that's cool. And one of the guys can't make it. He's actually going to Green Bay. He's going to be in Kansas uh, in that at that uh, Packers-Chiefs game. Okay. Um, he is a pathologist. So he does. he actually does autopsies. Went to school, went to medical school for okay, years I don't know and years. What, I don't know what a pathologist is, but it's fine. So he does autopsies. No, no, you just said it. Dr. I, Cox. I Shout okay. out Dr. Cox. Cool. Um, we, right now, are going to perform an autopsy sure. on the Nebraska. <laughs> transition. On the 23, 2023 Nebraska football program. 
And I want to get to a couple of things here. We've got, obviously, the Tony White news. He's sticking around. They gave him a raise. That's great news, I think, for the defense. We have news of some departures, some officially returnees, um, and then there's a lot of guys still deciding. want to get into that a little bit as well. Um, but I want to start with Matt Rule. This was his first season as head coach. There were expectations before the season. Some people recalibrated those after the 0-2 start. I think everybody recalibrated their expectations again after the 5-3. and Yeah. And then they end up where they end up, and it's home for the holidays once again, unfortunately. I want to go back through the season, and I want to pick out a couple of spots. And we may only have time to do one of these before the break, but I want to look at your... your uh, hey, Matt Rule, this was your best in-game coaching decision, and then I want to look at this was your worst in-game coaching decision. Whichever part of the season you want to make it, personnel, go for it, not go for it, uh, play call, uh, whatever whatever the case may be. You want to start? You want me to start? Where, where do you I'll go start. with this? All right, go. I do want to say I am a little worried of the fact that there are a lot more bad ones uh, than there are good ones. Those are the I, more recent ones, I, I think. I yeah. think, but I, w- I do want to say this. I think it is really difficult to just be like, oh, he made a decision and that was a really good decision. Like, you know, the Bell G option pass. Like, that was a really good decision or whatever. So sure. I, maybe I'm veering away. That's but, more like big picture. Like, yeah, hey, he took yeah, this advice from yeah. T.O. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to not fully do what you're asking on the good part, but on the bad part, I will. Yeah, all the right. good part is Tommy Hill. Okay? Yeah, okay. I'm just gonna write that guy was was run off. He was he was absolutely written off by the last staff. He comes in. He started off shaky. Remember, and he got suspended to start the spring. They believed in him. They you know helped him create the mindset that he has, and and and, and he's got this. I mean, basically this this dog mentality of just go out and play, and like no matter what, and just just just. I think they embraced him. I think they embraced him completely. They brought him into the culture. He is now one of the best players on the team. He is now a guy you look at next year, who's going to be your draft picks? It's Tommy Hill and Nash Hutmaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is not something... I, Maybe I don't, Rob. I don't think people thought to end the year that Tommy Hill coming back to Nebraska or Tommy Hill having another season is going to be a big deal. You know, they were going to yeah. be looking at Tommy. I was like, look at that guy returning. He was one of the best defensive backs, not only on the team, but in the Big Ten. And that was because of how the staff put their arms around him, embraced him, and just helped them develop. So that's my good for the year. I like how you said the, the way that Tommy Hill's evolution, um, you know, that, that I, I definitely like that. Uh, that's that's good. The, the two plays that encapsulate the Tommy Hill experience, as Gary Sharp always tweets, Whenever he makes a big play, the Tommy Hill experience. Sure, uh, the Colorado game. Yeah, that third down, in fifteen. That changed in the, the second game. half. It changed the game. He was flat-footed. He ran right by him. He was peeking in the backfield, and that was a big play. It kind of broke the back of the defense. You fast forward to the last game, that fourth quarter against Iowa. Amy just standing next to me on the sidelines, columnist for the Lincoln Journal Star. She calls the Tommy Hill interception on that Iowa third down yeah. before it happens. You know he's going to make a big play in that. That, he does. that that more than anything expresses how far he came and how much they relied on him late in the season. As Hardzog had his struggles, Quentin Newsom unexpectedly had that shoulder injury. He was a huge component. He showed why he was an Alabama prospect, and he showed that he's got first round potential. He does. Yeah. He does, and that's just crazy to see. We're talking about a dude who was just burnt toast last year, yeah. and maybe would be a Flip wide receiver from wide receiver to DB. Yeah. yeah, now now it's. I mean, he's the guy. Yeah. All right. So my, I'll get to mine, and then we'll take our first break. Um, my best in game decision. I'm gonna take you back. It's game six of the season. Huskers have just come off the blowout loss to Michigan. Yeah, yeah. They're at Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Second quarter. Okay. It's three to nothing. Okay. Nebraska is driving. Okay. And they're at their own they're at the, they're at Illinois' 39-yard line. Fourth down and 5 to go. And you just you stopped Illinois cold on the goal line earlier in the first half, in the first quarter. You got the field goal on that drive. And Nebraska's still kind of what are you going to see with Heinrich Harburg at quarterback? He's he's beaten Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. What what are you going to do? Matt Rule goes for it. They throw for it, and it's a completion. It's one of those sidearms to Alex Bullock near the sideline. Get six yards on fourth and five. Move the chains. They score a touchdown on that drive. They go up ten to nothing. They end up winning that game twenty to seven. It kicks off their undefeated October. 
that is my best in-game coaching decision. He he was coaching an offense. They weren't they weren't yet decimated by injuries, but they were falling. They, they, they were falling the a little bit. That was the game that kind of started it. Yeah, all, on the road. It was a Friday night. It was a quick yeah. turnaround. Washington just got knocked out of the game. That's right. Like earlier before that. Yeah. That's right. So you don't have that weapon, and you're running really, with. I mean, it was Emma Johnson's like kind of both first running backs time, were out first time as well as like being yeah the guy because I mean like they got killed so badly by Michigan, you couldn't really give them opportunities to do that. So you're absolutely right. Showing confidence in the offense at that moment, it was it was a huge confidence builder, I think, for not just the offense in general, but Heinrich Harburg in particular. You put the ball in his hands, you trust him to go make the play. That was a really important moment, I think, for that game in particular, but then, I mean, the jumping off point for the rest of the season, too, because you needed to have a spark from the offense. The defense wasn't going to be able to do that all by itself. They yeah. dang near did. Yeah. Uh, but that was a huge coaching decision, I think, in my book for for going for that. Totally agree. That's a good one. Um, we're going to come back. We we have our, our uh, not-so-good decisions from Matt Rule. We want to go over some, some of the returnees, some of the departures. We'll talk about the Tony White contract extension. Uh, and, yeah, we're going to get into uh, Huskers uh, volleyball, Nebraska Creighton. Husker women have a big matchup. We're going to get to all of that. When we come back here, it's a big jam-packed KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Matt, as you stated, it is uh, a little bit disconcerting that there might have been more critical, uh, more more criticism of Matt Rule's coaching decisions than than there were thinking of I mean, uh, good doubt. ones. Without a doubt, yeah. It, look, it is it is what it is. When you when you lose the last four games of the season, that's fresh in your mind. They were all close. So all you know, magnifying glass goes up when those games are close, and and uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Okay, my bad one. Probably we probably have the same. We might uh, Iowa game. Okay, are we on the same page here? No. Are you Iowa game? I'm not going Iowa game, but okay. you go, you go ahead. I mean, I probably agree with you. <laughs> the 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 fake field goal or the the attempted fake field goal that turns into a timeout because Alvano doesn't go onto the field. Yeah. I just don't. What do you like? First off, Tristan Alvano had a fine year. After a very rocky start, like did not have a good good start to his career, but in those middle weeks, especially in October when they were winning, he was hitting a lot of kicks, and he's got a very strong leg. But you got the wind, into the wind, 60 yards away. What do you think Iowa is going to think you're going to do? I mean, Kirk Ferentz is no dummy. He, I mean, like Iowa was more like more than likely going to anticipate they were going to fake that. And so you're in a field position battle game where trying to pin these guys on the five-yard line is massive, and that's exactly what they did after they had to take a timeout when Alvano didn't go onto the field. So, you know, it turned into a good thing. But the fact that that was even, like, a thought of, hey, we're going to kick the 60-yard field goal. And then also, too, like, why do you take the timeout as well? Like, if he's just not on the field and it's 60 yards away, and then you don't even do the fake after you take the – it's just a – a flurry of just bad decisions that, you know, I, I'm i going to just say this right now. I believe in Matt Rule. I yep. really, really like Matt Rule. I really do. I think he's going to figure it out. I truly believe that. But that was just, that was bad. Like, that was, there's nothing good about it. Like, even the thought, the execution, and then taking the timeout, which they, they would have liked yeah. to have had. Yeah. So it was fourth and four from Iowa's 42-yard line. Yeah. Going into the wind. Too. I don't remember which whatever game they fake punted. Was that Maryland? That was a home game. Yes. I, I don't remember how many they needed to gain. They were on their own side of the field yeah, on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good play call. Yeah. So four, fourth and four. Part. You had to pick up four yards on a fake field goal. I with me, whenever you're doing it special teams, like the fake punts definitely catch people off guard. But if you're gonna fake field goal it when you're like in no man's land between the forty five and thirty five why don't you just leave your offense on the field? Yeah. Like I feel like the other team I, well, is going to know I, field I position and the tendencies. I, I do understand why he doesn't leave his offense out on the field. It's just because, I mean, that Iowa defense was so good. Right. And maybe you just 
give him a different look. You know, maybe in that situation with how the game was going, he did think, hey, we got a better shot of getting four with a fake. But just the, if you were 50 yards away, if it was a 50 yard field goal, yeah. I would have no problem with it. Alvano just didn't run out on the field. If it was a 45, 50, you know, whatever. I think it was 60 yards away. I mean, it's yeah. just like, what do you think I was going to think? And then also, too, to take the timeout. Yeah. As well. You the, yeah. The timeout thing was. That's what the really, bad decision. Oh, we're going to take a timeout here. And that's then, what really burned everybody yeah. in the press box because you, you're punting. You're punting. Just, like, just be like, all right, whatever. Like, we're five yards of field. And then, yeah, it turns out they would have needed it later. And, and the other two timeouts that half, uh, oh, the one oh. was lost on the challenge. Yeah. Which I thought was a good challenge. I thought he had the first down. I don't know why they didn't. I, I didn't award like that, that decision just because he had extra time. They had extra time to look at it. When you looked at it, I thought he was short. And so. I don't think he was down until he crossed the line, but again, but there wasn't. I don't know the reason. And then the third one was because they just couldn't get lined up and get the play in in time or whatever. So none of their timeouts were 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 used really in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. So my my, uh, not so great coaching decision, uh, I'm going back to Maryland. I'm going back to the end of game situation. Chubba Purdy came in, drove them down admirably whatever the 90-some yard drive, and had thrown one pass through a third down pass, completed it. Billy Kemp broke a tackle, got about 25 yards, and then they got inside the 15-yard line. And then Chubba Purdy threw an incompletion on first down. We, we heard after the game that wasn't actually a pass call. And then second down's a run. It's third and goal from the seven. And I I just... I know that he's not the play caller. I know that's a Marcus Satterfield play call. I know he described the coverage and, hey, this is what this play is designed to do. That is all well and good. I'm not telling you it's a bad play call to to call that pass play against that coverage look. It is a bad call, in my mind, to call a pass at all with your third-string quarterback, the collection of receivers that you had at that particular moment who are not that adept at running, you know, mesh or, or, you know, you go this way, you go that way, the pick plays, whatever it is, like they're going to develop as receivers, but they're not there yet with their route running. Knowing that you just need to kick a field goal and you go on top and then you can let your defense go win the game. And to that point, Talia Tagovailoa had one touchdown drive and it was kind of fluky. It was two plays. I, it is inexcusable to me that they called a pass play at all in that moment, knowing the circumstances and the game situation. That is the worst decision of the season for I'll, me. I'll push back just a little bit because I don't think. I mean, it's not. That's not fully a rule decision. That's not a. a I agree. Rule decision, but I I do agree with you. But if you're the head coach, no, you have sure. the opportunity to over million percent. You'd yeah. be like, look. We just want the points. Yeah, we just, just give yeah. it. And also, too, I mean, what I, this is probably one of the most underrated, and I, I just feel like people aren't talking about enough underrated parts of the year. Chubba Purdy pulls the, the play before. Yeah, it was a handoff to Emmett Johnson. That was the call on the first down. Play. On the first down play. Yep. And if he handed the ball off to Emmett Johnson, looking at the replay, he either gets in or he gets to the one yard line. Yeah. And he pulled the ball. And he started running, and then he tried throwing a pass to Fedoni. I think it was Fedoni well, or I, someone. Well, I think he threw it. I just think he threw it out of bounds, which and I he thought throws was, it out of bounds. I mean, you wanted him and to do. watching it, you're like, all right, whatever. He just made a bad read. Like yeah. it's you know the option. You find out later there was no play for Purdy to pull that ball. Right. Like that was not. He was just supposed to hand it off. Yep. And when we're talking about quarterbacks, coach, do you need one? Whatever. Should there be a new one? So on and so forth. Uh, that is, if you are arguing for you need a new quarterbacks coach, that's Exhibit A. And so I just want to bring that up. That sure. has nothing yeah. to do with our convo. Yeah. But that no. was just something that, from that game, we've talked about that game, something yeah. I want to bring up. Real quick, do we want to talk transfer quarterbacks? Well, I, I wanted to talk you know more about like the team as a whole, and we can talk coordinators because there was certainly some news on that. And yeah, we can get into the transfer quarterback Let, let's try. Let's try yeah, and yeah. hit as much as we can in yeah. the last five minutes. So first off, yeah. transfer quarterbacks. There's been a lot of talk around the media about Getting the right fit. You got to get the guy who has the right fit. Yep. Obviously. Okay. Right fit to the program, right fit to your offense, so on and so forth. That goes without saying. I got a question for you, though, Cole. What if they go after a guy who has all of that fit? Perfect. He he fits our offense. He fits our culture. This is the dude. And for whatever reason, 
and I don't want to talk about NIL, but for whatever reason, he doesn't pick Nebraska. So then you're just sitting there, and you have a couple other quarterbacks who want to be who want to come to Nebraska, but they don't necessarily fit the culture. They don't necessarily fit the play style. They don't. They they're not a perfect match to your program. Mm-hmm. Do you still go out and get that quarterback despite that? Just because you're like, we need. An, another guy in here. We need a new option. Even if, like, let's let's say for hypothetical sake too, they're more talented than Purdy and Harburg. Yeah. And it, do you still, even though they don't mesh with what you're trying to build, and we know that building a culture and building a program is so important, even though if they don't fit that mold, you still go out and get a transfer quarterback because you need to? Or do you say, look, we didn't find the guy we needed, which is not a bad argument. To be like, because transfer yeah. quarterbacks, I mean, it's not like, you, you don't have the pick of the lot. It's like, whatever's there is there. And so it, it, you can just say, look, we didn't get, we didn't see a guy that we wanted. We're going to go with Harburg and Purdy. What do you do? So you have to weigh those factors, right? It's, it's talent, it's scheme fit, it's culture. Sure. And which one's most important and, and how high is that on, on their list of skills, on that quarterback's list of skills? And then you compare it to what you got, right? Is, is this guy going to be better, you know, culturally, skill set, talent, whatever, than Chubba Purdy, than Heinrich Harburg? You, you have options out there. I'm sure that you're going to rank number one, number two, number three. Maybe you don't get those guys. Maybe you don't. And, and they probably won't get their first choice. But I still think there are quite a few options. I mean, just the list of quarterbacks that I can pull off the top of my head probably. Like Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. Sure. Um, but I, the but, DJ Uyunglele from Oregon State. Like, there are a lot of guys that are going to be that are going to be checking a lot of those boxes that are better than Purdy and Harburg. But are they gettable for you? Are they are they fits? And and who do they who do they prioritize? I, I will in tell that you right too. now. Hot take: If you're a transfer quarterback, the last place that you want to go is the Big Ten. Okay, why would you if you could play in the sunny, nice, cool air of the <laughs> ACC or the SEC or the Big Twelve? Yeah, why not go and play there where they're slinging this ball all over the yard, where you have all of these incredibly talented athletes? Why would you want to go to the Big Ten, where for the most part, minus the Western part of the Big Ten in Washington, Oregon, USC, right, UCLA, right. we're talking about the original Big Ten members, sure, or original to ten years ago members? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you like you're going to go and hand the ball off? 25 times a game. You're going to be throwing... Look look at Tanner Mordecai. Pretty good player. How do you think he liked throwing the ball 50 times in Madison, Wisconsin in November? Probably not a whole lot. He probably would have preferred to have done that. Having come from Texas. It, having come from Texas. Probably <laughs> would have preferred to have done that in, yeah. in Carolina or Florida or whatever. So it's just naturally, if you're like, why aren't... Why can't Nebraska get the top quarterbacks? If I'm a quarterback, I, I want to go... Somewhere I can throw it a lot, and I don't have to deal with the with the weather. So naturally, they're going to get the middle of the pack to lower, and so that's why I'm bringing up this discussion because I don't think they're going to have the opportunity to get a guy that's absolutely slam dunk quarterback prospect transfer whatever. Right. They're not going to have that opportunity. They're probably going to have a guy that is similar to where Harburg and Purdy is, and if you don't, if you don't get, if they don't fit the program, it might be. Way better for them to just be like, look, we're going to go with what we got, and hopefully Danny Kalen develops yeah. into someone that can be the, the the quarterback of the future. Going to coordinators now. Yeah. The number one thing that I heard at the press conference, and it was just this little nugget, he goes, well, originally our plan was for Satterfield to coach the tight ends. That's right. Um, and that didn't work out, so we coached the quarterbacks. They're going to get Jake Peets from the Rams. Told me everything I need to know. Yeah, told me everything I need to know. I don't think we really need to have discussion of should they get a, you know, quarterbacks coach. Will they? I think that answers your question. They're gonna go. They're gonna look for one. Josh Martin, really good job with the tight ends, in my opinion. Analysts now, and this another thing that Rule said. Analysts now can get paid starting next year. Oh, so yeah. Martin will just go back to his analyst role. He'll probably be making same to similar amount of money he was making as the interim tight ends coach. If you don't remember, he got kind of thrust into that full-time tight end position role yeah. when Bob Wager got the DUI and was kicked off the team. In like a so. week before the season began. Yeah. So, Great time. In terms of coordinators, awesome. They kept Tony White. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I I would almost Interviewed take, for the San Diego State head coaching job, was a candidate yeah, for USC, he, D.C. he didn't get that. I mean, Sean Lewis is a really good coach. No, but, I, I, how but, do you know that he wasn't? 
I mean, he he may have interviewed to get some experience for it, but may have said thanks, but no thanks. You don't oh, know whether he was uh, offered or not. I don't know. He may be waiting he, for a Power 5 he, job. Maybe, I know it's where he, he had a lot San Diego of time State there. For nine years. Right. I feel like that'd be the perfect fit for him. You know? What's the support look like? Exactly. All the things that Matt Rule laid out. I never bought the whole USC thing, though. I, that was all from Gacy, yeah. a million percent. And yeah. just people trying to connect dots and making rumors. But I, I think, take it to the bank. They're getting the quarterback's coach. I've heard all I needed to hear from Rule. Um, and look. It's a fact. You are the Big Ten is not a quarterbacks conference. It is not. When it comes to running back transfer portal, you bet your bottom dollar. Right. You're going to have an opportunity to get the top guy. Yeah. But when it comes to quarterbacks, guy, it it doesn't. NIL doesn't matter. Tradition doesn't matter. Selleck streaks don't matter in that case. If I'm a quarterback, I want to throw in warm weather. Not going to the Big Ten to do that. Or you think that you're an NFL guy and you know that there's the Pittsburghs and the Green Bays yeah. and you want to test yourself and put yourself in position to say, hey, I've played in the bad weather. I'm ready to go to the league. There, there's there's a lot there's a of... a little bit. But a lot also, of considerations. But there. then, like, if anyone is... I mean, there, there are guys who are just... Who are on teams who just breed quarterbacks. And yeah. Nebraska isn't one of those places. That's true. Right That's true. All right. We've got a lot more to get to. Uh, we are going to run down some of the uh, returnees and departures from Nebraska football, but we'll do that uh, after our next segment when we're going to get into the Husker volleyball, uh, the tournaments, uh, where the bracket lays out, who Nebraska's next opponent is, who Nebraska's next, next opponent would be, and what the other side and the other uh, regions look like as well. That's all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. If you were a Big Ten Volleyball Award, chances are you were in possession of somebody within the Nebraska Volleyball Program because they dang near swept those awards Basically everything but the Player of the Year award for Sarah Franklin, which Merritt Beeson probably was a close second there. But yeah, I can't disagree with it. She, every, she'll, she'll probably win National Player of the Year. She probably will. Um, but man, everything else. Setter of the Year, Freshman of the Year, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. They all reside in Lincoln, Nebraska, baby. I mean, and they're all coming back. Yeah, they're all coming back. They're all coming back. Another year of seasoning and coaching and development. That's the crazy thing is is the fact that John Cook very well could have his best team in program history and no one's leaving. And now, granted, they are at the scholarship limit. They have two people coming in next year who are freshmen, and so they will have to get rid of two more, you know, two people probably have to enter the portal or yep. something like that or, or whatever, and they'll figure that out. But you have to assume that for the most part, the core players of Jackson, Rodriguez, Alec, Beeson, Riley, um, Badenhorst, all be Krause, back. Krause, who hopefully will be, we'll be able to play some. So, yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. You know, they took care of business yesterday, got a little dicey in that third set. Um, yeah, Long Island led for most of for that For most set. of it. I mean, they had a, Nebraska had a couple of errors. I mean, look, it, it's I'll say this right now. These games are going to be a little bit closer than you think they're going to be because they're high-level opponents. And we say this a lot for Big Ten basketball, but it's the same thing in Big Ten volleyball. For the last two months, Nebraska has been playing the highest level of opponents uh, in incredibly difficult places to play Week in and week out, over and over and over again. I mean, there is no. This ain't the Big Ten West. You know, there's really no days off, and yeah. and it's and you know with the popularity surge of volleyball and how important Nebraska has been this season. In that, everyone's biggest game of the year was when Nebraska came into town. Yeah. The loudest the stadiums were all season is when Nebraska was playing in them, and so they consistently had to deal with the most hostile crowds when they were on the road. And that's tough. It's tough. Now, they're battle-tested, but you got to think that some of these players, look, they might be weared down. And so when you freak out, you know, about, oh, well, it's a tough third set to Long Island, all these games are going to be tough. All of them are going to be difficult. Right. Do I think that they're going, that they, they are the favorites? They should be the favorites. Um, But this ain't going to be a... I think people are still kind of on the how dominant they were in October and September, 
And then November, it was a little, you know, they lost a game. They it was more rare to swept. see them sweep. Yes. It was. And so that is, in my opinion, what it will look like more in this tournament uh, than their dominance early on in the year. Because I'll tell you this right now, if they end up playing Stanford, I don't think it's going to go four sets like it. I'm assuming it's going to go five, you know? And so we'll see. But uh, uh, they play Missouri tomorrow at 7 p.m. I actually did look it up for you, Cole. Yeah. Uh, They will play next week on either Friday or Saturday. I think Friday and then Saturday. We have Friday, Saturday regardless. Yeah, there was no... There was no. There was a Thursday. Some teams played on Thursday. Yeah. In the first round. Yeah. None of that. Okay. Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So, uh, real quick on Missouri, uh, just a quick scout on them. They were at large, uh, first time since 2020, uh, seventh in the SEC at nine and nine. Uh, they had two All SEC players: their libero Maya Sands and uh, one of their opposite hitters, uh, Jordan Illiff. They uh, Sands was actually the SEC libero of the year. And then uh, Don Sullivan, her first year's head coach, was the SEC Coach of the Year. Uh, before that, she was a, the Mountain West Coach of the Year at UNLV in both 2020 and 2022. Uh, so that's next. Missouri is uh, the second round matchup. After that is going to be Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech took down Florida. Georgia Tech, the five seed, Florida, the four seed. Uh, and Georgia Tech has already moved on. They won in five yesterday, three to two. Uh, an incredible game as well. Yeah. I mean, 16 to 14 in the fifth set, especially they lost 25 to, I think, 16 in the fourth set. So, I mean, they're a good team. They're at 20, I think they're now 24 and six uh, on the year Georgia Tech is. So if you get by Missouri, I mean, it's going to be another tough test uh, to get to that Elite Eight round. But, um, yeah. You know, there shouldn't be any doubt that Nebraska will be able to to handle business tonight at the Bob Devaney Sports Center. Yeah. So past that, if you, if you haven't checked the rest of the bra, I mean, this Wisconsin's on the other side. That's so big. The only matchup scenario there is the national championship game. They are facing Penn State in the Sweet Sixteen. Ooh. Now they've got Anna Schmeck back, but Penn State beat Wisconsin. Earlier this season, so that is a, a little bit of a revenge uh, chance there. Another team that beat Wisconsin is Purdue. Purdue would be their Elite Eight matchup, potentially, if they get by Oregon. Uh, Oregon, the two-seed, Purdue, the three-seed uh, in that region. Uh, on the other side, uh, if you go down the bracket, Nebraska's one seed they would potentially see in the Final Four is Pittsburgh. Uh, Louisville is the two seed. The the thought was there; those were basically the last two co- uh, contenders for that final one seed. Uh, Louisville, obviously coached by former Husker Danny Busboom Kelly. Uh, Creighton is the three in that bracket, and they play Minnesota today at six thirty. Uh, Minnesota out of the Big Ten. They did make the tournament. Uh, Creighton would match up with Louisville in a Sweet Sixteen matchup potentially. Uh, so that is who Nebraska would see out of the Final Four. Stanford, Wisconsin are both on the opposite side of the bracket with Texas. Those would only be national championship matchups for Nebraska. I'll tell you something right now. The team that I am the most afraid of is not Wisconsin. It is not Texas. It is Kentucky. Kentucky is the two seed in Nebraska's region. That would be an Elite Eight matchup. And you might think, Matt, didn't Nebraska beat Kentucky earlier in the year and you're absolutely right they did they they killed them they dominated Kentucky them. we talked about Kentucky on the show that week they had a lot of non-conference a trouble a lot of non-conference trouble they are the hottest team yeah. in college volleyball right now they have been since they have not lost a game since they lost in September against Tennessee since then they have completely swept their schedule one out. They've beaten number twenty Florida, number nine Arkansas, number twenty four Auburn, number twenty Florida, number ten Arkansas. So like, and they beat. By the way, their last loss to Tennessee. They avenged that by sweeping them <laughs> on the road. Jeez. So yeah, they're they, hot. They are. They are on fire. They are playing a different. I mean, just completely different volleyball from what we've seen earlier. And by the way, they won their first round matchup, swept Walford. They played Baylor, swept them too. So this is that's going to be a really, really. I think a lot of people are looking ahead to the Texases, to the Stanfords, to Wisconsin. I would be that that Kentucky matchup is going to be incredibly difficult if they get there. Yeah, the the things to watch, I think, for uh, for volleyball, uh, you want to see Harper Murray be able to take over a set. Yeah, in in this game, um, you want to see if Merritt Beeson can lead the team 
like she has for most of this season. Uh, most of the rest of the components have been there uh, pretty consistently. Uh, you've got Becca Alec and Andy Jackson in the middle there as, as stalwarts. Um, Laney Choboyd, Lexi Rodriguez, they do their thing in the back row, uh, digging out everything like archaeologists. Um, and then <laughs> do you get anything out of Lindsey Krause? Can she, she, Cook said that she may be able to go through warm-ups. Can you get a little bit of contribution either next weekend in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, or would she potentially be available in the Final Four or National Championship I'm going to be honest game? with you, Cole. You've been out for too long. I, it just, She'd it, be coming in cold, but you can get her in for a point yeah, or two and see how I, she goes. I feel like playing in the Long Island game, we kind of saw him do it with Maggie Mendelson yesterday, right? Getting her some yep. some playing time because she could be a piece that, that they need down the stretch. and. I, I just I, I she's such a great player. She's such a great player and it's hard for me to say, well, you just don't play her, but I mean they've it, it's it's a terrible sentence, but I mean they've they've kind of gotten used to life without her, no? I mean yeah. and they've they've had and now look, if John Cook thinks she's ready to go and she and she can play and she can contribute, who am I to say right. you're wrong, right? But just from the outside looking in been out for a while and 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 hope you know you're probably putting a cold player out there in in the high stakes you know they lose there's no game tomorrow right and and look with her out if she does not contribute i think the x factor for nebraska is ali batenhorst if if she plays percent who by the way well really good season yes up for them and and if she plays well in these matches uh in the tournament they're they're going to go far uh and and so uh that's the outlook for husker volleyball uh again they have missouri uh that is win again you got the time there? 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to get into Nebraska Creighton when we come back. It is the undefeated Huskers against the once beaten Jays. My, how the tables have turned. We're back after this on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Big game for hoops is tomorrow. It is a three o'clock tip. You can hear pregame on KLIN right here, starting at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon with KP and uh, Jake Mulizen. Uh, Nebraska Creighton. This is a big one. Nebraska got them last year in in kind of a low stakes scenario. Nebraska was not going anywhere. Nobody thought uh, they had a, a rough start to the year. Out of yeah, nowhere, yeah. just shut down the Blue Jays' offense. One up there in Omaha. And now you get them in your place, and you are seven and zero, and you've got a you've got this roster constructed just the way you want it. You've got the biggest the biggest difference with Fred Hoiberg's team this year than in years past is depth, and and they they are well positioned to challenge a one time top ten team. Not right now, uh, but, but definitely a possibility to to get back in that that conversation. They were on the doorstep of the Final Four last year. Huge opportunity tomorrow for Hoiberg's. Well, it'd be a quad one win. Yep. And you win and you're ranked, too. Oh, yeah. They're receiving votes. Yeah. Somebody in who? Where? Uh, Indiana? Fort Wayne. Fort yeah. Wayne we love Fort, Fort Wayne. Wayne. Gazette. Um, <laughs> you, win, you win and you're ranked? Yep. I mean, 100%. who would who would have thought that, you know, coming into this game? Seriously. Now, you know, the, the schedule was favorable. What we're talking about, a program that had lost games like Stony Brook and Duquesne in years past. I mean, they lost to Western Illinois to begin uh, the Bryce McGowan season. Incarnate Word. Yeah. Um, who there's there's yeah you can list them off you can list them off so seven and zero oh, haven't done it before key to this game is don't play Creighton's style of basketball Creighton wants to run Creighton wants to go quick Creighton wants to shoot threes and you know what they can shoot threes if Nebraska has the personnel not if they do have the personnel to slow the game down and to just Wear them out with Josiah Alec. Wear them out with Rink Mask. Wear them out with the 6'5 Boogie Coleman. Wear them out with the 6'7 Bryce Williams. So they got to get back in transition. they got to be quick on defense, but you don't want to get into a run-and-gun war with Creighton because you will lose. You will lose that game. So slow it down. Don't get, you know, don't, don't, don't get too quick, and then don't don't play into their hand because Creighton wants you to play that game. So, yeah. uh, I, I do say this: 
I think the the matchup is good with Kalk Brenner. I think they got the right guys in Alec and in Mask to kind of shut down his threat a little bit like Derek uh, Derek Walker mm-hmm. did last year. Um, and like you said, depth. They got depth. They got shooters. They got playmakers. They got people. Um, Creighton probably more talented, but Nebraska's a good team. Nebraska is a good basketball team. We can say that. We can say that. And doesn't it feel good? We can say that. Yeah, so I, I agree. It is uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner was the key to that matchup last year. Derek Walker dominated that matchup, and Nebraska dominated the game as a result. If you can do at least a similar job, whether it's Rink Mast or Josiah Alec, um, maybe Blaze Kata is available. I don't think he will be because that, that ankle has just kind of been bothering him for uh, it may be a chronic issue that, that bothers him yeah, all season, I mean, the rest of his career potentially. But the fact that you've got a guy who is as skilled as Rink Mast, who can take him outside and actually be more of an outside threat than Derek Walker was, while still being as good a passer, it would appear, as Derek Walker was out of the high post, um, out of the top of the key. And then you've also got a Josiah Alec who can go down low and bully him around, too. Because Kalkbrenner is obviously very tall, but he's not that thick. And Josiah no. Alec, if you've seen that guy without his shirt on or without, you know, without the sleeves on or whatever, uh, Josiah Alec has the, the frame and the muscle to be able to, to push him around a little bit. I'll tell you low. something right now. I don't, I don't think Josiah Alec and I live in the same complex, but I think we live in the complexes next to each other okay. in, in Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, massive. Yeah. Like like up in person, like up close, like being you know just in, in regular day clothes. The dude like his muscles have muscles. Like he is <laughs> so so big. I agree. Yeah, the strength man. I remember um, uh, uh Phoenix versus the Lakers, twenty twenty one. Forgot who the analyst was. I think it might have been Eddie Johnson for the Suns, who was talking about the Jay Crowder versus Anthony Davis matchup, and Davis has like. Seven inches on Jay Crowder. So yep. people are like, oh, in the post, you know, Davis can dominate Crowder. And Johnson, or whoever the analyst was, I think it was Eddie Johnson, goes, look, the post is one in the legs. You don't win the post in height. You win the post in legs. And Jay Crowder has strong legs, much yep. stronger legs than Anthony Davis. Yep. So for anyone who thinks, oh, he's just going to bully him, that's not the case. Well, you go into that playoff series and you watch every time Anthony Davis tried to back down Dre Car- J- Jay Crowder. He couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Same thing with with you know, like you said, Kalkbrenner, still a strong guy. He's two hundred seventy pounds, but Alec has that strength advantage, and so they can wear him down. They can be tough. They can be physical, and the rebounding battle is going to be massive in this game. And if Nebraska commits to it. And they got all everyone to the boards because sometimes I feel like they don't have every, they want to get a little bit too quickly out of the fast break. Then not everyone's crashing. If everyone's crashing, they can clean up the glass. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a very very interesting matchup. I don't see this being more than a five point game. Ooh, I do not. I do not line out yet. And I'm telling you right now, um, it's hard to win on the road. It's hard to win on the road. Yeah. Ask Purdue how playing on the road is. That's right. It's difficult. So, Brass's got a lot of advantages going into this game. Like I said before, number one thing, don't play into the hands of the Crane Blue Jays. Don't play into their speed game because you will lose. Not a line out yet. What do you think it'll be? <sighs> Crane minus five. I think right, five. right on your right on your number, yeah. I do, because I Ranked team playing a non-ranked team, but on the road, Nebraska seven and zero. I think three would be too low. Yeah, I think five is a, an appropriate line. Yeah, we'll see. I'm more. I'm way better with NFL and like college football lines. Hey, you just dropping NBA takes on me just there. So a I, little bit. Because yeah. it's a good example. It's hey. all in the legs. It's, it's all in the legs. Yeah. And, and Josiah Alec, he's got the legs, man. He's a big dude. He's a vibe. Just a walking. But the short shorts, the oh, hair, yeah. like it's. It's a good look. It All is. right. Uh, we're going to wrap things up when we come back. Uh, if you missed it, there was a big Nebraska football commit this week. Uh, we're going to run down the, the departures and returnees that have been decided. Uh, and then there's uh, obviously a few guys who still have a big decision to make uh, as well. That's all coming up. Wrapping things up. Get you ready for the weekend right after this on the Husker Hour. Inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN.
the semi work. Choo choo. The semi truck driving it out there to Logan Magnolia, right outside of Grant Bricks' high school. It worked. He did his commitment video with the semi. Perfect. Perfect. Grant Bricks, offensive lineman, top four stars, number five uh, OT, according to twenty four seven. Um, top top guy, top alignment, top alignment in your area in that five hundred mile radius. Best player in Iowa. Um, Nebraska was ahead, then it seemed that they were behind to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They brought up the truck. They got back ahead, <laughs> and uh, Bricks is now along with Preston Tomoa, a very impressive offensive line group. Yep. For the Oscars, choo-choo, we are no longer taking people on the Donovan Rayola train. As the conductor, I'm here to tell you, we're done punching tickets. Left the station. Okay. okay. It has wow. left the station. You are no, no one else is a lot. I do have people who are on it. There have been people who told me, I'm on the train. I go, okay, I'll remember you. So you're there. But no no longer. So if he start, when he starts taking off and he's getting the offense, and we're talking about how great Rayola the coach was, just remember how in doubt and in question he was. And I have, I have receipts. Oh, I'm sure I you do. I have receipts I'm sure. on the Twitter. Okay? <laughs> so the train has left the station. He's done a great job recruiting. I think he's done a heck of a job coaching. One guy that we didn't talk about, I talked about Tommy Hill. Another bright spot could have been Bryce Benhart. Yeah. We're talking about a guy who a lot of people blamed a lot of the problems on the offensive line last season on Bryce Benhart. Uh, this year, top-rated guy on the offense. Seriously. So, yeah. dude made massive strides. I think Teddy Prohaska made some pretty big strides as well. That interior offensive line did well as uh, did a really good job as well. Mm. Uh, they're moving up, man. They're They're... Adding depth, they're creating more guys. Justin Evans Jenkins, I was impressed with his play considering the fact that, you know, last year I don't even think he was on the depth chart. Right. Uh, now you're kind of comfortable with him playing a line. Um, so, yeah, just overall, uh, really good job from Rayola. Build a very good class of offensive linemen, and that's what you need to do. You build in the trenches, especially in the Big Ten, and that's what they're doing. Ben Hart and Ben Scott, by the way, those are the only two. Big Ten uh, honorable mention honorees on the offense. On the defense, Luke Reimer was third team uh, by coaches. And then there were six others honorable mention with Omar Brown, Isaac Gifford, Tommy Hill, Quinton Newsom, Nash Hutmaker, Ty Robinson. Yeah, I don't mean to sound like a fan, but that's a joke. Uh, how can you be one of the top defenses, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country, and then everyone's on honorable mention? It, I mean, it's, it's, just... it's, it's kind of appropriate because there wasn't one standout superstar. Sure. Well, it was really spread. Nah. The, no, I don't disagree, but you kind of spread the wealth around. There's no reason Nash Hutmaker should not have made. made. It should be preseason. Reimer, but, Reimer a million percent. But yeah. yes. By the way, uh, in terms of guys who have said they are done, uh, Nick Henrich is hanging them up. Uh, another another unfortunate injury, but but he's uh, had a great career. Blaze Gunnerson's not going to come back either. Uh, Ty Hahn is hanging it up, going farming. Uh, ben Scott definitely is coming back, uh, and a lot of other names to watch. Oh. Who, who's most important uh, in terms of coming back? Yeah, yeah. Tommy Hill. Just hopefully he doesn't get even more so than Isaac Gifford. Look yeah. at you. Yeah. All right. Uh, another thing, real quick. Gunnerson, Henrich, awesome guys. Hopefully they go into coaching. Seriously, I agree. Job. Yeah. All right. Hey, a uh, lot of lot of action this weekend. Go Big Red.